Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the podcast and today I'm going to give my review of AEW's Dynamite. Starting off the evening we go to our first match of the night. It is a Continental Classic tournament matchup. It is Roosh versus Swerve. I thought this was a great match man. Great match to start Dynamite last night. Back and forth matchup between Roosh and Swerve with Roosh keeping the pace of the match. Roosh hits a devastating power driver on Swerve for a near fall. Roosh and Swerve then both exchange in the middle of the ring with Swerve hitting a 450 off the top rope. For almost a quick fall, Roosh quickly kicks out of the pinfall. Swerve then hits a flatliner on Roosh, and then Swerve ultimately hits a swerve stomp off the top rope on Roosh. Pins for the three, and your winner of the match, and now has 12 points in the Continental Classic Tournament, is Swerve. Hats off to Swerve for getting the win in that matchup. After that, we see Jericho backstage. Jericho mentions Omega's injury. Uh, Jericho also says Omega's out with diverticulitis and that he will be out of AEW indefinitely with this injury. And it looks like the match with Jericho and Omega versus Big Bill and Ricky Starks might be at jeopardy for World's End. Now, the reason why I say that is I'm not sure if Jericho might enlist someone else to help him go after the you know the AEW Tag Team Championships or not. It wasn't like they com- he completely disclosed that information of him not being at World's End. Um but this whole injury thing with Omega, man, it's crucial. Um, from what I understand, this is a serious thing that Omega was dealing with for quite a while. And it just got to a point where, you know, Omega couldn't deal with it anymore and had to go to the hospital and, you know, found out that he had serious diverticulitis and he's going to be out uh, of AEW indefinitely with this injury. Um, but th- this was crucial, man. I mean, crucial for not only Omega, but for AEW as well. Uh, with everything that's been going on with AEW behind the scenes and, you know, obviously the TV rights and stuff like that, which I will... You know, talk about that. Talk about that towards the end of the podcast. But you know, losing Omega right now is definitely uh, crucial to AEW as of right now. So uh, again, hopefully Omega gets better. Um, again, you know, it's a sad. It's sad for Omega and, and the AEW fans. But I hope and uh, I pray for Omega's you know health and hopefully he gets better and he returns to AEW soon. Uh, moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. Again, it's another Continental Classic tournament matchup. It is Jay Lethal versus Mark Briscoe. Uh, it was a good match, uh, back and forth matchup between Jay Lethal and Briscoe with Lethal and Briscoe both exchanging in the middle of the ring. Briscoe was keeping the pace of the match with Briscoe hitting an elbow drop off the apron to the outside on Lethal. Jay Lethal then gets up, hits an elbow drop of his own off the top rope on Briscoe for a near fall. Briscoe then gets up, hits a Death Valley driver on Jay Lethal. Lethal then gets up, hits a Jay Driller on Mark Briscoe for a near fall, but Mark Briscoe hits a Jay Driller of his own on Jay Lethal. Pins for the three, and your winner of the match is Mark Briscoe. Hats off to Mark Briscoe for getting the win in this matchup. Moving on from that, we have a Samoa Joe segment. Joe comes down to the ring, grabs a microphone. He mentions Roderick Strong and said that there was a lot of things that Strong was talking about that made sense. Joe also mentions the people being attacked by the Devil's Henchmen. Joe then calls out MJF. MJF comes out to the ring. He mocks Samoa Joe. MJF then says he doesn't trust Joe anymore, especially due to the fact that he was attacked by the Devil's Henchman backstage. MJF and Joe then get face-to-face, and then MJF and Joe then attack the Devil's Henchman. They come out to the ring. The lights go out. Then the Devil is shown on the Titantron. The Devil then throws out a challenge for Samoa Joe, uh, well, MJF next week for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. Now, couple things about this, man, and I've been talking about this for a while, it seems like, with this whole 
who was the person behind it wearing the devil's mask? Who are these uh, devil's henchmen? It looks like, you know, we're getting small, you know, I wouldn't say small steps, but we're getting more steps into who this may be. And, you know, the whole storyline's picking up pace where in the beginning it was really, you know, slow. It really wasn't going anywhere, anywhere fast. And now it's starting to slowly pick up ever since, you know, MJF was attacked and Adam Page was attacked. It's really, it's slowly starting to pick up pace, which again, I'm all for it. Um, a lot of people were actually upset that the uh, person behind the Devil's Mask had challenged MJF for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, and they don't understand why. I think when it comes down to brass tacks, man, I mean, I think what the person is doing behind the Devil's Mask is literally taking everything away from MJF, Me, you know, meaning the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, the AEW World Championship, uh, taking out some of his friends and stuff like that, and pretty much trying to get everybody against MJF. Um, so I'm not, you know... For people, you know, when he, being the devil, the person behind the devil's mask, throughout the challenge to MJF for the Ring of Honor Championships, I wasn't shocked. I mean, the, the way it, it looks is like this person's taking everything away from MJF. I mean, even the pay-per-view itself has, I mean, it's world's end. It looks like, you know, MJF's world is coming to an end. And this is the same reason why I brought up Adam Cole. And I've been bringing up Adam Cole, you know, a lot is when it pertains to the storyline with the person behind the devil's mask. Because it just, the storyline fits Adam Cole. Now they could go to another direction. It could not be Adam Cole. They could pivot into something else because maybe Adam Cole's injury, you know, he's legitimately injured and he can't come back yet. A lot of people have mentioned it being even Tony Khan. I don't really see it being Tony Khan. Uh, it could be Jack Perry, you know, especially with what happened um, as of late with what the devil has done with the devil, you know, and the devil henchman with the uh, attacks that have happened backstage. Um, obviously Adam Page was also mentioned as well. So, I mean, it's really up in the air, but I mean, if I, to me, the smart decision would be Adam Cole. Uh, it just fits, you know, it fits the storyline. It's one of the best storylines going right now in, uh, AEW, to be honest with you. So I'm definitely looking forward to what's going to happen next week. Um, we might get a face reveal, maybe. Uh, the other issue with that is too, is Matt, uh, you know, Max, you know, my thing is, you know, obviously he's not hundred percent ready to go right now and he's still, you know, his arm's kind of injured and stuff like that. I know someone mentioned that he has a hard time lifting up, I think, his left or right arm completely. So MJF is not 100% healthy right now. So if the match actually does happen next week, it looks like Samoa Joe is going to be doing majority of the work in that match uh, if the match actually goes through. Now, the last time they were going to do this, this match didn't happen, and all kinds of stuff happened with the Devil and the Devil's Henchmen. So I don't know if this match is actually going to go forward and actually have a match, but... Again, you're taking a chance even with MJF being in the ring right now with him not being 100%, knowing that he has a match defending the AEW World Championship against Samoa Joe at World's End at the Nassau Coliseum. So, I mean, you're taking a chance. Do I think the match will happen? I I would be surprised if it does, to be honest. But definitely looking forward to that next week. Uh, moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is a number one contenders matchup for the AEW Women's Championship. It is Rio versus Soraya. I thought it was a decent match, uh, back and forth matchup between Rio and Soraya, with Rio keeping the pace of the match. Rio, though, ultimately hits the finish on Soraya, pins her for the three, and your winner of the match and new number one contender to Tony Storm's AEW Women's Championship is Rio. Uh, quickly, I want to say a couple things about this matchup too. Number one, the biggest takeaway from this match is why the hell was this even booked? I, I don't understand it. Soraya really hasn't been doing much as of late. Uh, I know she had some issues with Ruby Soho and the whole Outcast thing, and the Outcast seemed like it's no more. Obviously, Tony Storm's doing her own thing, which she's doing phenomenal work right now with the timeless Tony Storm character, which is one of the best things on AEW television right now. 
Uh, Ruby Soho looks like she's no longer being a part of the outcast as well, so Soraya's kind of on her own. Uh, but Soraya, to me, hasn't really been doing much, to be honest. Uh, Rio, you know, she just came back into the fold of AEW. Obviously, she had her sights set on Tony Storm. So to me, it just made logical sense to, just to have Rio as a new number one contender off the rip anyway to, to go up against Tony Storm, because why would you bring her back to look like she was challenging Tony Storm for that belt just to put her in a uh, number one contenders match for the belt. It just didn't make logical sense to me. And, you know, we just got an impromptu matchup for no reason. And Rio is now the new number one contender for the AEW Women's Championship. And that match will take place between Rio and Tony Storm at World's End for the AEW Women's Championship. So I'm definitely excited for that one as well. Uh, moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night is the Commander versus Roderick Strong. I thought this was a decent match. Uh, back and forth matchup between the Commander and Strong with Strong keeping the pace of the match. Commander then hits a Phoenix Splash on Strong for a near fall. And then the Commander hits a Moonsault, taking out the Kingdom on the outside. But Strong hits the finish on Commander, pins it for the three. And your winner of the match is Roderick Strong. Hats off to Roderick Strong for getting the win in this matchup. Moving on from that, we go into our main event of AEW's Dynamite. It's another Continental Classic Tournament matchup. It is John Moxley versus Jay White. Again, this was a really good matchup. Back and forth matchup between Moxley and Jay White with Moxley keeping the pace of the match. Moxley hits a pile driver on Jay White in the middle of the ring. Jay White then hits Moxley with a chair shot with the referee being distracted. Then Jay White goes for a blade runner on Moxley, but Moxley counters it with a paradigm shift. Moxley then hits a foot stomp on Jay White, but Jay hits a blade runner on John Moxley, pins it for the three, and your winner of the match, and now has 12 points in the Continental Classic Tournament, is Jay White. Now, with Jay White winning this matchup against John Moxley, it makes things a little bit interesting going into next week. Next week, the semifinal matchup in the Gold League will be John Moxley versus Swerve versus Jay White next week, and the winner of that will move on to the finals in the Continental Classic Tournament. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what direction Tony Khan and AEW decide to go when it pertains to this matchup. To me, do I see Jay White winning? No. I don't think Jay White needs to win this matchup. Now, there's a immense amount of mix-up between John Moxley and Swerve. To me, Swerve deserves to win this matchup and move on to the finals for the Continental Classic Tournament. And the way that I'm looking at it, even from the Blue League, I mean... You know, obviously, Brian Danielson right now is doing really well in the Blue League tournament. I know he has a match this weekend on Collision against Claudio. Um, to me, I think Swerve versus Danielson in the finals makes a good match because there was a little storyline there in the beginning between Swerve and Brian Danielson, if, if my memory serves me correct. So, to me, my final prediction for the finals would be Swerve versus Danielson. Now, who wins that match? I don't know. Um, you could go Danielson just because, you know, from what I understand, he has a match against Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. And, I mean, I know Okada is becoming a free agent next month. This could also be something that might entice Okada to come over to AEW. I also heard a huge rumor that Okada is possibly working with Barry Bloom, who also has worked with uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Adam Page uh, for their contract uh, extension and restructure when they re-signed with uh, the Elite. So, again... That could be something that brings in Okada to AEW. Who knows? I also know that Scott Demore and TNA are doing a lot of things. They just signed Kushida. And maybe Okada possibly maybe goes over to TNA. I don't know. But all in all, I'm definitely excited for this triple threat match between Moxley Swerve and Jay White next week in a semifinal matchup in the Gold League 
Um, but to me, I mean, it comes down to Moxley and Swerve, to be honest with you. I don't see Jay White winning that matchup. Uh, and right now, there's a lot of steam right now behind Swerve. I mean, last night, the crowd in Oklahoma City was incredible. I mean, that was one of the best crowds that I've heard. They were, you know, when Swerve came out in the beginning of the show to have his match against Roosh, man, that crowd erupted. When you saw Prince, Nan- uh, Prince Nana coming out with the Mogul Embassy, that crowd erupted. So Swerve is immensely over, man. And I have a lot of praise for Swerve. I think Swerve will be future world champion probably sometime 2024. You know, as world champion. He could well, very well be Continental Classic champion. I don't know. But I can see him being world champion in AEW going into 2024. Speaking of AEW and 2024, there was a lot of news that's been going on as of late the past few weeks with AEW that I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about and let you guys know my opinion about. Number one, obviously, is this TV rights thing that's been going on now for the past two, three weeks uh, between AEW and obviously Time Warner and Warner Media. And then you also have, you know, WWE with Monday Night Raw also in talks with Warner Media. Now, I touched basis on this, I think, last week when it pertains to Monday Night Raw possibly joining up with Time Warner and possibly, you know, being on the same network with AEW and vice versa. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on. And even yesterday, man, there was a humongous bomb that dropped yesterday with wrestling news, with it being that, you know, Paramount Plus and Time Warner might actually be merging together um, here soon, probably in the next six months to a year, most likely, if it does actually happen. Now, what does this do for AEW? It changes a lot for AEW right now. Right now, AEW, from what I understand on the current deal with Time Warner, they have one more year, 2024. To be with Time Warner. Now, obviously, they could sign an extension. Anytime, you know, whenever they have, you know, talks or whatever, you know, whatever they do with the people from Time Warner and so on and so forth. But then you also have WWE Monday Night Raw that also have been talks with Warner Media and Time Warner about possibly putting Monday Night Raw, you know, being a part of the Time Warner family. So, again, a lot of things are going on with these media rights stuff. And right now, it's really hot and heavy right now, especially what happened yesterday with the news of possibly Paramount Plus and Time Warner merging together as one. Um, but right now, that's the, I mean, that's the way everything is going right now as far as TV rights are concerned, and I think people need to really understand that. It's No, I don't think there's really anything else more to say about this ba- regular old cable anymore. Everything else is going to a streaming platform or a streaming service like HBO Max, Netflix, ESPN Plus, so on and so forth. So, that I mean, that's one of those things that everybody is shooting for right now. And I would say that from day one. Uh, especially when AEW and Tony Khan purchased Ring of Honor. They need to be on a, a streaming platform, whether it's HBO Max or not. I think it helps not only the consumer that's watching the product, but it also helps AEW and Time Warner as as well. It helps out both parties. If you are a fan of professional wrestling, and again, that's why we're all here, and I appreciate you all for being here, uh, it just makes more sense logically and financially just to do it that way. If you do a pay-per-view, I mean, look what WWE is doing right now with their PLEs. And being on Peacock, or if you still have the uh, the network, you know it, it's you, you pay you know a certain fee every month, whether it's nine ninety nine or ten dollars a month or whatever. But then you get all this other stuff in this library. I mean, if you look at Peacock as a whole and the, the whole WWE product on the Peacock app, there's so much stuff on there from you know WWE stuff to uh, World Class Championship Wrestling to ECW to um, you know. Just all this kind of crazy stuff, even the old WrestleManias, King of the Ring, so on and so forth, you know, so, and documentaries about different wrestlers and different, you know, wrestling personalities, it's it just, the, the Peacock app, as far as what WWE's doing, is incredible, 
Um, I think AEW kind of needs the same thing. Obviously, they don't have the same catalog of a WWE, you know, what WWE has. But, you know, they have Ring of Honor's catalog. They have all these stuff for AEW now for the past four years. You know, you could put your current pay-per-views on HBO Max or Paramount Plus, especially due to the fact that there has been a lot of rumors and speculation that Tony Khan and AEW will go to a 12 pay-per-view format going into next year. Now, I can tell y'all honestly, I think me personally, if they do that, yeah, they, they I'm hoping they go to a streaming service because I don't think, and that, I think, again, that's this is something also that might be crucial to AEW that a lot of people won't be spending the $50 every month for these pay-per-views. I mean, let's also look at this too, and I, I'm going to reiterate this probably, you know, in August going into the next year that, you know, you have all in and all out literally back to back. That's not really a whole lot of build from one pay-per-view to another. And let's face facts, all in in Wembley is their biggest show of the year. It is their WrestleMania. So you go from all in to literally a week later, like from the day to going into all out. So there's not a lot of build going from one pay-per-view to another. And majority, in my opinion, a lot of the good matches are going to be booked for obviously all in. So, again, it's just one of those things that I feel like if they don't get on a streaming service, it might cripple AEW. And I think it benefits both parties being AEW and Tony Khan, as well as the consumers that watch AEW's product faithfully every week. It just it entices everybody to come over to check out AEW. Even if you're not a wrestling fan and you see AEW stuff on HBO Max or Paramount Plus and you've already been subscribed to a HBO Max or you know Paramount Plus, you might scroll through Paramount Plus or HBO Max and be like, oh, what the hell is this AEW stuff on here? It might entice the consumer to be like, oh, let's check this out. And it's also going to entice the consumer to buy that app when you're not paying $50 a month for a pay-per-view and you're already paying the $10 fee for the subscription that you have with HBO Max or Paramount Plus every month. It just works out for both parties. And it gets, to me, it gets more eyeballs on the product of AEW or Ring of Honor if you want to, you know, put both AEW and Ring of Honor um, on, you know, obviously the same app. The other thing I want to talk about too briefly is Mercedes Monet. And now there was a lot of speculation about Mercedes Monet again yesterday. There was a lot of news that came out yesterday with AEW um, and Mercedes Monet. Mercedes Monet was a, a hot topic yesterday. Now, if you guys all know who Mercedes Monet is, she's also formerly known as Sasha Banks when she was her tenure in WWE. Um, so let's just you know, let me just give, give you guys a background about Sasha Banks if you guys don't know, which I'm pretty sure you guys do. Sasha Banks, you know, former. WWE Women's Champion, also wrestled for NXT, former WWE Women's Tag Team Champion with Naomi, and, you know, that whole thing crumbled with the Women's Tag Team Division for Sasha Banks and Naomi. Naomi is now wrestling uh, in TNA as Trinity, and Sasha Banks has been on, or Mercedes, if you will, is wrestling over in Japan as of right now. So... We got through the background right there about, you know, of Sasha Banks. Where we're at right now, and from what I found out yesterday, AEW was trying to bring in Sasha Banks or Mercedes Monet into AEW. That was the original plan. Now, and the reason why I'm saying this is because you've seen Sasha Banks at All In. Now, she wasn't obviously wrestling. She was in the crowd at Wembley. And she has been mentioned with AEW a little bit. So it looks like you know, there was a plan initially to have Tony Khan bring in Mercedes Monet. There was also a rumor that, you know, Tony Khan and AEW were going to bring in uh, Mercedes Monet when they had the Blood and Guts pay-per-view at the TD Garden. Obviously, you know, that looks like it's not going to happen. Now, the reason why I'm saying that's not going to happen is because of the news that came out yesterday. From what I understand and what people have told me personally, that it wasn't a 
money issue, I believe, with AEW. I think it was more of a creative issue and the reason why it looks like Sasha Banks may not go to AEW. I'm not saying that she won't. I'm just making it abundantly clear. I'm not saying that Sasha Banks won't show up in AEW. But as of, as of right now, where we stand today, that might not happen. As of right now. The other issue was, is Sasha possibly returning to WWE. That might have came to a stalemate after what I found out yesterday. Now, Charlotte Flair has a lot to do with this. And the reason why I'm bringing Charlotte Flair into this whole situation is because Charlotte Flair, you know, currently is injured right now with a torn ACL, I believe. And she's going to be out for the next eight or nine months. Now, during this time that she was injured, she signed a contract extension with WWE. And for what I understand, I don't know the numbers exactly of what she's getting. But from what I understand, it's something that she's going to be with WWE for a very long time and probably retire in WWE. And she's making a substantial amount of money within WWE and what, you know, Endeavor's doing with WWE, she's making a substantial amount of money. I think it's actually, from what I've read, it's the most money that any woman has ever made working under the WWE umbrella, which to me sounds like a lot of money. Well, Sasha Banks was in talks of going back to WWE, but the issue that we're having right now currently with Sasha Banks returning to WWE is that she wants more money than what Charlotte Flair has gotten. And that might be an issue. That might be a severe issue on her not coming back to WWE. Now, again, I don't know the specifics of how much Charlotte is getting in that contract extension. The only thing I can say and assume is that it's a substantial amount of money and some quality years on that contract extension that's going to keep Charlotte Flair with WWE and probably up until she retires. That's just my, from what I found out. Um, Sasha wanting to come back and make more money than uh, Charlotte Flair. Do I, do I believe she deserves that money? Absolutely. I think Sasha Banks or Mercedes Monet deserves that money because she is one of the top female athletes in professional wrestling, one of the best female wrestlers, one of the best wrestlers in the world, period. Um, but I can see Triple H, maybe Endeavor, probably not doing that considering the issues that Sasha Banks had or Mercedes Monet had in WWE and her, you know, her past tenure before she had left and went over to Japan. I don't know the, the you know, the relationship between her and WWE as of right now. That I don't know. Um, now, if it's money, and clearly this is a money situation. If I was Triple H and Nick Con, uh, Nick Khan and Endeavor, I would, you know, throw her whatever she wants. Uh, considering the, the type of talent that she is, she's a household name. And people are going to lose their mind to see Sasha Banks return to WWE just like they did when CM Punk returned to WWE. Um, but again, you know, she's asking for a substantial amount of money. And I don't know if WWE is going to deliver on that money to Mercedes Monet. And that might cause a problem with her return to WWE. Um, I just thought that was kind of interesting with the news yesterday with uh, Sasha Banks. But, you know, again, man, there's a lot of things that are going on right now. The other biggest thing, too, is the current WWE free agents right now that, as of today, as of midnight last night, are able to sign wherever they want and work wherever they want starting today. Um, so I started rolling through some of the names. I don't know all the names, but I know some of the names that were free agents from WWE, WWE that are current free agents right now that are able to work wherever and where I might see them go. I know Dana Brooke is a free agent. Um, to me, if I'm being honest, I think Dana Brooke, if she decides to continue wrestling and she gets the opportunity to wrestle again, I think she would fit perfectly over in TNA. Um, just based upon what they've done with Trinity and stuff like that, and the women's roster over there is, to me, solid. 
Um, I think it would benefit Dana Brooke to go over to TNA if Scott Demore gives her an opportunity. Now, I know Scott Demore had recently said that they have a humongous signing coming into AEW uh, to TNA that's going to be the biggest signing of TNA of all time. Who knows who that may be? It might very much be Mercedes Monet. It might be that Scott Demore pulled a wild card and somehow brought in Mercedes Monet into TNA for maybe a couple months or a year and have her, you know, team back up uh, with her friend Trinity, who's currently on the TNA roster. That, again, could possibly well happen. Um, I know Dolph Ziggler is a free agent. Now, Ziggler can fit in TNA. He can also fit in AEW. The reason why I say AEW, possibly, is because his brother is currently contracted under AEW. They can reunite, and Ziggler kind of fits the mold of what AEW is. Mustafa Ali, again, another person that fits both TNA and AEW. I would like to see Ali over in AEW. I think there's a lot of matches that he can have in AEW that would be incredible, and I think he kind of fits the style of what AEW is all about. Uh, Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle is going to be a wild card, man. I I don't specifically know what Matt Riddle is going to do. Uh, I know he's had a lot of legal issues. I know there's been a lot of drama surrounding Matt Riddle, even during his time and tenure when he was in WWE. Um, which I also believe ultimately got him let go from WWE just from all the drama and the stuff that was going on with him and his personal life and everything else like that. Um, but I, I will say this. If Riddle, if Riddle does decide to wrestle again, I don't think... I think it would be hard for TNA or AEW, for that matter, to not give him an opportunity. Matt Riddle still, to me, a household name. I think Riddle st- can still put on you know banger matches, in my honest opinion. Um so it's, it's going to be up in the air and, and really comes down to Tony Khan and Scott Demore on what they want to do, as, as well as New Japan. I mean, New Japan's also not ruled out. I mean, these men and women can also go over to Japan and wrestle as well. Uh, Shelton Benjamin. To me, if Shelton doesn't re-sign with WWE, me personally as a fan, I would like to see Shelton Benjamin in AEW. Now, I mentioned this multiple times when it pertains to Shelton Benjamin, that I, if I bring in Shelton, or if, if AEW Tony Khan brings in Shelton Benjamin, the best way I would bring him in is have him be a part of the Blackpool Combat Club. You know, obviously have an allegiance with Brian Danielson and Claudio Castanoli, Wheeler Yuta, and John Moxley specifically. I think it would really benefit Shelton to come in and be around those type of guys, the guys that have been around with AEW, that obviously are locker room leaders, especially Brian Danielson. And I think it would really help Shelton Benjamin in his career if he decides to continue, you know, continue to wrestle and uh, gets an opportunity with AEW, I think it'd be perfect. I do believe that I think the AEW locker room and the roster was really pushing to bring in Shelton as well as Dolph Ziggler. So we'll see what happens. I know Elias is also a free agent. Again, it can go either way. He can go to TNA. He can go to AEW. It's really up to Elias and obviously, you know, Scott Demore and Tony Khan if they decide to bring in Elias um, to wrestle. But, um, oh, no, I mean, I mean, again, it's... it's it, Exciting stuff. Collision this weekend looks incredible. You know, you got Brian Danielson versus Claudio Castanoli, Eddie Kingston versus Andrade as well. You know, there's going to be a lot of good stuff going on at Collision. Thunder Rosa has her first match back officially on Collision in a tag team matchup um, this weekend on Collision. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. It's great to see her back into the fold of AEW. It's been long overdue. So it's great to see her back as well. But, you know, a lot of stuff's going on right now, man, with AEW and just wrestling as a whole. And a lot of it's, you know, it's chaos, man. But I think it's good chaos. I think it's everybody needs this kind of chaos right now. And professional wrestling right now is in a renaissance period. And I told you guys in the beginning of the year that the summer, you know, summer months and the winter months are going to be absolutely insane for professional wrestling. And that is exactly what has come down to fruition. 
You got the return of CM Punk to WWE after being gone from WWE, after being gone from 10 years. You know, the TV rights thing is obviously a big hot topic right now, even with Monday Night Raw and AEW. Where will Raw show up and end up? Will they end up in Time Warner? Will AEW no longer have their TV deal after next year? I mean, there's a lot of things to think about and contemplate about both companies over the past, you know, over the next year. You know, you got Okada being a free agent in January. Mercedes Monet is a current free agent. Where will she end up? Will she actually be able to go over to WWE and they will pay her what she wants? Will she show up in AEW? I don't know. Or will she show up in TNA? And this was what Scott Demore and, and TNA were talking about with this humongous signing that they were going to bring in that's going to change the world, if you will, in professional wrestling and be the biggest signing in TNA history. So again, is it Mercedes Monet joining Trinity in TNA wrestling, which would be absolutely insane if Scott Demore and TNA can pull that off and bring her in to TNA. It would be absolutely incredible. But uh, all in all, man, it was a solid night for Dynamite last night, man. Um, again, the Continental Classic and, you know, the person behind the Devil's Mask is probably the two best things right now going on in AEW, in my honest opinion. But I will also say this in closing, man. I, you know, I, I know Tony Khan has been giving a lot of people a lot of flack here lately and getting, you know, annoyed and, and pissed off with people when they're like, oh, well, AEW needs a reset. Look, for what it's worth, I'm going to say the same damn thing. AEW needs to have a hard reset after World's End. You know, I think he needs to contemplate that or at least, you know, at least give it a solid hard think about it because things need to change, man. I mean, obviously, and I told you guys this, I think it was last week or the week before that, that not that the product's getting stale, but there needs to be some change. You can't keep doing the same shit every single week. And to me, Collision right now is severely hurting. Collision is... <laughs> Nothing what it was in the beginning when CM Punk was there. And obviously, like I told you guys, that show was built around CM Punk. And now that he's no longer employed with AEW, uh, Collision's hurting bad. I mean, obviously, yes, they have really good matches, you know, this weekend. And if not for the Continental Classic, Collision wouldn't be doing shit, to be honest with you. So, you know, to me, I would do a hard roster split. I would contemplate doing a draft or splitting the roster and putting half the roster on Collision and half the roster on Dynamite. Uh, absolutely. But I, again, it's one of those things where Tony Khan needs to, you know, you need to think about that stuff, man. You can't, you know, it, I feel like, you know, with all due respect to Tony Khan, and I do, I do mean all due respect when I say this, I kind of feel like he's one of those kind of people that are just being stingy, where, you know, it, it, this is his and he's going to do whatever the hell he wants with it, whether it's good or bad. And no matter what, people are always going to watch the product or he's always going to have that TV deal. That might not happen. So Time Warner, again, might not want to do business with AEW, might not want to do business with Tony Khan. I mean, they can look at the fact that Collision's not doing so well. They can also look at the fact that Rampage has continuously done nothing to the product. It's done nothing. There's no storylines being built on Rampage. It does nothing at all. So again, this can also be something where maybe AEW or at least Tony Khan might be self-sabotaging his own company because he's being stingy. You know, just being, trying to be self-reliant and he's not being, it, it, you could say he's being self-reliant, but it's really not because it's not benefiting him and the company when you can't fill an arena, you can't sell tickets, you can't like, you know what I mean? It's not, I understand it's his company, but I also understand the fact that the fans want something different and not for nothing. I mean, the entire mission statement for AEW was we're here, we're the alternative. Well, not for nothing. 
WWE is the alternative right now. WWE right now is the new shiny toy that came in the box, and AEW has been the same toy everybody's been playing with for the past five years or four years. And it's not every. It's still it's still the same damn thing. WWE right now is red hot, red hot right now. And what what they're doing right now, bringing CM Punk in, uh, WrestleMania season this, this year is going to be absolutely insane. I mean, WWE right now, for what it's worth, especially Raw and if not SmackDown, are must see TV right now. Especially with CM Punk being on Monday Night Raw and bringing back Randy Orton from injury, and him being on SmackDown, it's must see television right now. And AEW as a whole right now, is just not must-see television. And like I told you guys, at the end of the day, the two biggest things right now going on for AEW that kind of keeps them above water, if you will, is the person behind the Devil's Mask and this Continental Classic Tournament. If we didn't have the person behind the Devil's Mask in this Continental Classic Tournament, AEW would be in deep shit, man. I'm just being honest. I don't want the company to fall. I don't want the company to die. I mentioned this last week. There is no tribalism. The reason why I cover AEW is because I like the brand. I'm a fan. And yeah, I also covered different things for WWE, like King of the Ring and WrestleManias and WCW stuff. But I was a fan of AEW. I wanted to see what the alternative was all about, and I was invested. Now, if you guys were here from day one, I wasn't even covering AEW or Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. The first company that I was actually covering, if you guys were actually here, you know, in the, like my early days of doing this podcast, I was covering NWA Power stuff. You know, I was covering NWA Power, and I believe it was NWA Carnyland was one of their pay per views. And again, I had a lot of, you know, opinions about what Billy Corgan was doing over with NWA. I know there was uh, NWA USA, which again, flopped, you know. So again, it's not, there's no tribalism here. I just feel like AEW can do better. I think if you're a fan of the product or a fan of professional wrestling, I think you guys have to agree with the fact that AEW can do better. Now, if you want the brand to die and go away, then that's your own opinion. I'm not going to fault you for it. That's your own opinion and you're entitled to your opinion. In my opinion, and the reason why you guys come here, which again, I appreciate it very much, is to give my opinion on it and try to make sense of what really the hell is going on here. If I if, if it's not good, I'm going to tell you all, yeah, it's not good. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Right now, AEW's product right now is not that good. The reason why it's afloat right now is, like I just told you guys, is because of the Continental Classic Tournament and the person behind the Devil's Mask. Without those two things, Dynamite and Collision would be doing absolute shit right now. To be honest with you, it wouldn't mean it wouldn't mean a damn thing at all because you're not building storylines for anything else. Look at the women's roster right now. There's nothing you can really truly sink your teeth into when it comes to the women on the AEW roster because there's no storylines being built around the women on the roster. Where is Britt Baker? You know what I mean? Or is Britt Baker the person behind the, the Devil's Mask? We don't know. That could very much be the case because we haven't seen Britt Baker on TV for quite a while. So who knows? You know, that's, that could be also something that could be tied into Adam Cole and being the person behind the devil's mask. But that's just my opinion, man. Right now, WWE's product is red hot, and AEW's product right now is not doing that well. And it's the God honest truth, man. If you're if you're basing it upon ticket prices and ticket sales and just the all-in-all, just the, the overall demographic, the 18 to 49 demographic is at all-time low right now for AEW. It's not doing that well. The ratings are low. They're not selling, you know, selling tickets for these events because it's it's too expensive, man. I mean, it's just me being real. It's too expensive. And like I told you, if AEW wants to thrive, in my opinion, I would contemplate going to a streaming service, number one. Number two, split the rosters. Split the rosters, and like I told you guys last week, put a damn belt on Collision. 
Think about it, man. Those people over in Collision that are wrestling every weekend have nothing to fight for. There's nothing as a fan watching this show that you can truly sink your teeth into and get invested in because there's nothing to fight for on Collision. There's no storylines, number one, and there's no damn belt being defended on that show. And not for nothing, like I told you guys last week, Collision is on TNT. Why not put the TNT Championship on TNT, on Collision exclusively, due to the fact that the damn show is on TNT? You know, give these men and women something to fight for. You know, you can float the AEW Women's Championship back and forth from Collision to Dynamite, as well as the AEW World Championship. You know, you can split these belts up. But give some, give you know, people on collision something they can sink their teeth into, man. Because right now they have absolutely nothing. You can't be that invested right now. And the only reason why we are invested in collision, period, is because because of the Continental Classic Tournament. That's it. You're not seeing the person behind the devil's mask showing their face on collision. MJF ain't showing up at collision. He always is on Dynamite, the premier the premier show. There's nothing on collision besides the Continental Classic Tournament right now. So what happens when that's over? Then what does collision do? Nothing. Nothing. Because you have no tournament. You're not, you're not even building storylines at all right now on Collision. Nothing. It's going to mean absolutely nothing. So, yes, as a fan, AEW and Tony Khan, they need a hard reset going into 2024 next year. Bottom line, you, we went through this year, and yeah, we had some highs and some lows. And that's it. Just like Revolution. Yeah, everybody's buying tickets for Revolution. Why? It's because it's Sting's last damn match. That's why. You heard Tony Schiavone on commentary last night saying, oh yeah, we've already sold out 10,000 seats. You want to know why? Two reasons. One, it's Sting's last match, and it's at the Greensboro Coliseum. It's like a wrestling safe haven there in North Carolina. You know, that was the early days of Jim Crockett promotions and the early days of NWA. It's a hotbed for professional wrestling. And again, I will reiterate this. The main reason why they had sold out 10,000 seats so far for this event is because it's Sting's last match. We also haven't seen Sting on television for quite a while now. So again, what's going on with Sting? So it's just it's one of those things where I feel like there's certain things that Tony Khan and AEW could do better. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh yeah, the company is complete shit and they should die. I'm not going to sit here and say that. Because for what it's worth, if you're a professional wrestler right now, it benefits everybody. Maybe there's some people that don't want to watch WWE anymore and just want to watch AEW or vice versa. Also, the current talent that is on Raw and SmackDown or on AEW that become free agents, they have an opportunity to find other places for employment so they can work and get work. Like I told you guys earlier, for the free agents that are current free agents right now, they'll get a possible opportunity, whether it's in TNA or AEW. And it benefits both parties. I mean, for example, AEW on Collision, you can see Matt Riddle. Place will erupt, or you can see Dolph Ziggler, or Shelton Benjamin, or Mustafa Ali. TNA, same thing. I mean, it's just it benefits all parties involved. We don't need one solid company, you know, in the U.S. to take over. Everybody's tired of that. I'm extremely tired. I was tired of that back then. You know, I was a huge fan of WWE and what they were doing. I'm still a fan of WWE, even though I don't cover it. You know, but you can't be a wrestling fan and not like WWE. That's just pure. That's just that's just the way it is. But. It was the only show in town at that time. And then obviously we had TNA and then we had, you know, later, years later we had AEW. But it just makes for better te like television. And I told you guys last week, one of the most specific things I said last week, competition breeds success. And right now, WWE needs competition. AEW needs competition. And TNA needs competition. 
Competition breeds success. And right now, what all three shows are doing, they all have their own individual success right now. Scott DeMore and TNA are doing great things. They have a big signing coming in very soon. WWE has CM Punk again. And a lot, Randy Orton's back. They're doing great things over in WWE with Raw and SmackDown. You know, obviously everybody's, you know, anticipating WrestleMania season this year. It's going to be incredible. AEW, who's the person behind the Devil's Mask? Who uh, who will win the Continental Classic Tournament and who will become the new Continental Championship for uh, Champion for AEW? It's all exciting stuff, but there's certain things that need to be having a reset. And AEW needs a reset and fix some things as well as WWE and TNA. And hopefully by going into the new year, 2024, us fans actually get to see this change come to fruition. And I'm hoping and praying that we do, especially when it pertains to AEW. Uh, with that being said, though, this is my review of AEW's Dynamite. I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful and remember, stay classic. Peace.